We're so glad that you joined us today for this podcast from Bishop Quentin Moore and the Father's House in Hutchinson, Kansas. God loves you and wants the best for you, and we want to hear what God is doing in your life. Share your story with us by sending an email to mystory@fathershouse.net. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at fathershouse.net slash give. Just select the option that works for you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Have you ever washed your car? Everybody ever gone to one of them automatic car washes? Yeah, I, I, I go to them. I, for years, I thought Annie was keeping her car really, really clean and going through and spraying it down. And one day... We were talking with her sisters, and I was bragging on her about how she stops and sprays her car down. And she looked at me, and she goes, I go through that automatic thing. I mean, I was stunned. How, how many of you have ever been there, and you're up on 30th Street, and you drive up, and they spray down everything, and then they, they have you put your car in neutral, and you sit there in neutral, and they let go of the wheel, and those things come around, and they grab the tire, and they kind of pull you in. Nope. Am I the only one? Kind of pulls you into that thing and they spray you with foam and then they blow more water on you. Then brushes go all over and the car shakes and they spray it down. And then, then all of a sudden it kind of puts you out and, you, and they, they put you in drive and you drive off, right? And it's automatic car wash. <laughs> you just got a snapshot of the American church in the 21st century. Just pull up and put it in neutral and we'll suck you through and spray you off and we'll rub you down and you just drive out and we'll see you next week. Look at your neighbor and say, no, no, that isn't the way it works, right? That's not the way it works. It, it isn't quite just drop it in neutral and go into, you know, no, say not that way. That's not the way to live the American life, right? All right. It's maybe the way to live in America. That's not the way to live the Christian life. It's more than just putting it in neutral and letting it kind of pull you along. And yet, how many Christians do you know that are just kind of in neutral and things are just kind of pulling them along the way? And they're nobody. Don't say, oh my. I mean, they might think we're talking about you. I know nobody here is doing that, right? Ain't nobody expecting that to happen. I got to get to my sermon here. I got oil in my hands and it's not wanting to. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about the way, uh, about understanding that there is this way in which we are called to walk, this way in which we are called to be and live, th th this journey that we're on. And, and I love what Paul says when he says it's above and beyond our imagination, that it's above anything that we could ever think about, pray about. It, it's out of this world. And as I think about that, I realize that everybody has an imagination. They have a Christian imagination or the non-Christian imagination. They have a Baptist imagination. They, they have a Pentecostal imagination. They, they, they have an American imagination or a Honduran imagination. That Our imaginations are tainted by certain things we've experienced in our lives. The reality of it is, is that most of us have been polluted by secularism, by the world in which we live. And so our imagination is limited to the world that has molded and shaped our minds and the way we think. I was reading the other day, in 1949, the words human resource was developed. And you begin to talk about human resources. And if somebody is a resource, they can be used. 
and they can be made to work. And so human beings became resources, tools to be used. And as long as human beings could perform in a way that we could make profitable money out of them, then they were. And so we begin to live in a world where human beings were just to be used as resources. And then along came this word in the mid-80s, dysfunctional. And people became dysfunctional meaning that they couldn't function in a way that was profitable to us. And so we begin to grow up in a culture, in a secular world, where human beings were used as resources, and if we couldn't use them, they were dysfunctional and discarded because of their dysfunctionality. And what that really did is it began to cause us to look at each other as commodities, as resources, something to be used, or something to be targeted so that we could sell you something. And if we couldn't target you and sell you something, or if we couldn't use you, then you really weren't very profitable. And, 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 and so all of a sudden, humanity began to feel less than valued and worth. And, and if you go read the studies, you'll find out that people are more and more depressed and more and more whatever. Well, it's because we live in a world and a language that has reduced humanity to how it's used rather than valued because human beings are made in the image and the likeness of the Son of God. And so we developed this imagination about making New Year's resolutions so that we could be better selves, so that we could accomplish more, and that if by accomplishing more, somehow we would be more valuable. I want to suggest to you this morning that the source of our imagination should come from this God who loves us. This God who gave his life for us, this God who sends his spirit into us, and that our imagination should not be limited to how well we perform, but it should be limited to his prophetic declarations about us. That our imagination should not be reduced to a secular culture, but that our imaginations need to be sanctified. That our imaginations need to be sacred where we are dreaming above and beyond what we could accomplish on our own ability, but believe what God is doing in us and through us to change the world and to make this place heaven on earth. And that perhaps we need to recover the reality that God wants to do above and beyond what we imagine. In fact, I think he wants to purify our imaginations from the limitations of human language and give us a mind that is beyond. That we could dream not about what others have done, but dream about what God is wanting to do intentionally in our generation right now in this culture. And that the source of that imagination is this love. That you might know the love of Christ, which is higher and deeper and wider and further than anything you can imagine. In fact, it says that you would be filled with the fullness of God. That all of God would be filled inside of you. That God is not out there. You're not going to him. He has come to us. See, we have been so limited by an understanding that we're going to God. No, he, we just celebrated he came to us. That he lives in us. And Paul said that we might be filled with the fullness thereof. And that we might be able to see above and beyond because of the one that's in I can only imagine what God might be able to do in and through a human being whose imaginations has been sanctified by the languages of the risen Christ. I wonder what dreams our children could dream if their imagination was purified from the pollution of this world. 
Jesus is trying to get them to imagine. Don't be troubled. He's trying to get them to see, I'm going to a place. I'm making space. I'm making room for you somewhere. I'm, I'm, doing, I, I, I'm changing your citizenship. I'm altering where you live. I'm moving you from this darkness into this. I, I'm going to prepare a place, and you know where that place is. And the way to get there, you know how to get there. And this... Listen, the way we live determines the truth that we know. There's such rhetoric today about truth. Let me tell you, you're never going to know truth unless you walk his way, only by living his way. The proverb writer says there's a way that seems right unto man, therein leads to death. It seems right, but it's not right. There is a way to be, a way to live, a way to walk that will take us into a truth that will take us into a life. And he says, you need to learn to walk this way. I am convinced that grace is greater than we've ever imagined. I also am convinced that the way we walk matters, that the way we talk, the way we live, to live in that imagination that's above and beyond. To, 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 oh, come on now. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Wouldn't you love to live free of any wants? To live free of any idea that you needed, but to live free, understanding that he's provided. I, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me. Mm. He makes, I, I told them on Wednesday night, there's a series I've been wanting to preach for 10 years. Who you've been laying with. He makes me lay down in green pastures. See, who you follow and where you lay down and the water that you drink makes a difference. The way we live our life matters. Who you're following, where you're laying down, and what you've been drinking. <laughs> he leads me beside still waters and he restores my can I just suggest to you, all of you that are addicted to a heaven-bound gospel, that, that, that this isn't about being addicted to a destination. It's about being hooked up with someone that wants to restore your soul. I've watched too many people try to live a human life, and they have no soul. You see, we live in a culture that has substituted the word self for soul. And they buy self-improvement books. And it's all about the individual. Listen, he created us to be living souls. He formed us out of dust. He breathed his spirit into us. And we became living souls. A human being that is filled with the spirit of the living God has depth. It's not shallow. It's not focused on itself. But it's focused on its relationship with God and with other people. What's happening in America today is we're losing our soul for the sake of ourself. And we need to understand that God's trying to restore your soul. I'm going to prepare a place for you so that you can have your soul back. So that you can have the depth of being so that you're not one dimensional and just living for yourself, but you're living for God and for other people. And how you walk will develop your soul. It'll cause you to have a, 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 a oh come on, you know what soul food is. It's whatever you like. I mean, you know what it is to have soul music? It's got a beat to it that you don't have. I, or a few of you. God has come so that our souls could be repaired. 
He's come so that our souls could be restored. He said, I'm going to a place and, 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 and I'm wanting to repair your soul, your heart. I'm wanting to give you depth to that thing. And, and, and if you walk this way, you'll be a person that will deepen your soul. How do we walk that way? When I, when I teach this, when I think about this, I'm always reminded of how hungry David was for the presence of God. Anybody know who King David was? King David writes these wonderful things like, One thing I have desired, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I might behold or inquire of his beauty, that he would hide me. David was this man that says, One day in your courts is like a thousand elsewhere, that my soul pants for you. Do you understand? David was a man that said one thing. Say one thing. David had one thing on his mind. He was focused for the presence of God. Walk this way. You know the way to walk. Could I suggest to you that Jesus is called the son of David for this reason. David was a man after the heart of God and he was so focused on the presence of God that nothing else mattered. How do we walk into the place that he has prepared for us? Well, how about focused? How about not being so ADD? How about turning off that phone? How about turning off the television? How about not getting distracted by the news on the tube? How, how, about being, how about not listening to what other people think about you? How about not getting caught up in the denominational disputes or, or the preferences or the preferences? How about staying so focused on the presence of God that no matter what's going on around you, you're more attuned to him than anything else? Mary chose the one thing necessary. She didn't get caught up in the busyness of the world. Paul said, one thing I do, I forget those things that are behind, and I press towards the high prize of God. Could I suggest to you that when Jesus says, you know the way, he's talking about having a passion for him that is second to none. He's talking about getting so excited that, yes, the rest of Christianity thinks you've lost your mind because the only thing that matters is Jesus. It's Jesus in the morning, it's Jesus at noon, it's Jesus at night. Can I tell you, you won't be fighting for what's right or for what's wrong if all you know is that Jesus is with you. If David of the Old Testament was so focused that he was willing to fail and try again, David said, I have to have the presence of God close to me. So he goes down to get the presence of God and he does it wrong. Say wrong. If you don't know the story, it's in 1 Chronicles. It's in the Old Testament. That's the first half of the book that you ignore because you're a Christian. But, but back there is an example of what not to do. What you don't do is let somebody else try to bring the presence of God into your own life. You don't come to church and go on automatic. You don't come to church and say, well, all these other people are raising their hands. I don't need that. I'm just not like that. I just have a different personality. Well, bless you. But God loves passionate people, and passionate people cheer for the chiefs or somebody. Good God. I mean, it's interesting to me. The most dispassionate people in my family were screaming at the television yesterday. You could hear the neighbors screaming at the television yesterday. There's people choosing sides this afternoon for who they think is going to play the team that won yesterday. I mean, they're passionate. Where is that kind of passion lost in the body of Christ? I'm just asking. You need to go this way. Well, you have to have a passionate desire for the presence of God. You have to be focused. One thing I have desire, that will I seek. It'll push me into action. 
And as it pushes me into action, it overtakes everything in my life. And so I go down there, and David does. He makes a huge mistake and puts the, the box of the presence of God on this ox-drawn cart. And people lose their life because they're doing it the wrong way. But David doesn't give up. He goes back to do it again. And this time, they pick up the presence of God on the shoulders of sanctified priests. And then that says... For seven to 14 miles, they shed blood. And David walked through blood with the presence of God on his shoulders. And when he broke into the city of Jerusalem, he began to dance. When's the last time you've seen a bunch of Christians begin to dance just because they knew God was in the room? When's the last time you went in the bathroom and just shut the door and started praising God just because you knew God was with you? Honey, this is the way to walk. This is not a charismatic message. This is not a Pentecostal message. This is a Jesus message that says there is only one way to live, and that is filled with the passion for the presence of God to the degree that you don't care what anybody else says. Yeah, but I don't smoke. Big deal. Yeah, but I don't drink. Yeah, but I give good things to people. I, I, I don't care. All those are actions. God's after your heart. He's after people that got a soul and a hunger and a thirst. Man, they hit a song. I'm like, okay. I wake up and go, okay. I have to be careful because I'm passionate about it. And if you have passion for it, you're willing to learn from your mistakes. David made a mistake. So he went down and he learned from it. And he realized, no, I got to carry it. I got to walk in blood. And I got to do some singing for myself. This is not a spectator process. This is a participating process. I got to use my gifts. So the pastor starts walking around the room with that little thing. I don't know what's in that thing. And he starts doing that. Uh, that. It's oil, sweetie. It's just oil. Don't get nervous. <laughs> and when pastor starts walking around and do that, I, I could stand up and go, where, where, where? In other words, listen, I'm not the only gifted person in the room, probably the least gifted person in the room. I've just got enough guts to stand up here and make a fool of myself for 30 years. Listen, when someone stands up and needs prayer, you ought to be sick of them on a dog. I mean, come on. Oh, well. In fact, you could stand at the door going out and just ask anybody, could I pray for you? I guarantee you, if 10 people stood on those doors with people walking out and said, can I pray for you, you'd be amazed at how many people asked for prayer. Well, but they could come down front. Maybe they don't want to come down front. I mean, if we're passionate for Jesus and we believe that Jesus saves us and heals us, then let's just be passionate about it. This is the way you walk. You know where I'm at. You know where I'm at. You know where I'm at. You, you know the way. We don't know the way. Yes, you do. You've been watching me. You know the way. No, we don't know the way. Yes, you have. You've been watching me for three and a half years. Do you remember when I was minding my own business in the middle of the night and a guy named Nicodemus knocked on the door? In the middle of the night, the rabbi with a reputation came knocking on my door under the cover of the darkness because he didn't want to be, he didn't want to be outed that he was asking me for some kind of, you know this. I open the door. I'm, I'm approachable. I'm accessible. I'm generous. I don't care whether you come under the cover of darkness or not. I'm willing to let you into my life because I'm hospitable. You know the way because I open the door for everybody. He walked in and he complimented me and started telling me, wow, we know thou art from God because nobody could do what you do if they weren't from God. So he's bragging on Jesus. He's sucking up. I mean, I'm telling you, he's 
And Jesus ignores the whole thing and goes, unless one is born again, born from above, born of the water and the spirit, you'll never enter into the kingdom of God. At time out, Nicodemus didn't ask him how to get in. He is an expert in the pharisaical understanding. And Jesus just bypasses his expert education and goes, ah, what you really want is in. Can I just tell some of you experts out there? What you really want is in. What you really want is to feel the presence of God in your life. Because I promise you, there's better preachers in town somewhere. There's people in town more educated than I am. I guarantee you can go online and find, you can go all day and surf find preachers. But can I tell you something? The only thing this preacher knows this morning is by the grace and the spirit of the living God, you can come on in. And he said, Nicodemus, you can get in here if you want in here. Born again, by the spirit, touch your neighbor and say, all it takes is his spirit. He didn't get it. He said, you know the way, guys. You watched me. The guy came. He interrupted me, and he didn't get it. Do you know there's people going to be exposed to the presence of God? And Don't you remember right after that, I went to Samaria, and Sammy came up to the well in the middle of the day. I was waiting on her. She didn't come to me. I got in front of her and waited for her to show up. She had a bad reputation. She was a woman. She didn't come under the cover of darkness. She came in broad daylight. She asked me or nothing. I asked her for a drink. Catch this. You know the way. I don't care whether they come at midnight or whether I go to them at high noon. I don't care whether it's in the city or in the country. I don't care whether they have a reputation or a bad reputation. I don't care whether they're male or female of this ethnicity or that ethnicity. I don't care whether he starts the conversation or I start the conversation. The answer, lady, is you need the Spirit. The topic is not about Nicodemus. The topic is not about the woman. The topic is Jesus saying the only way to live is in the spirit. You know the way. You know the way. I've been telling you the way. There's another one coming and he'll get on the inside of you and he'll lead you and direct you and those that are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. Not those that do everything right. Not those that can exegiate the doctrine, but those who know that the spirit of God has breathed into them and they got a soul. They got a heart. Are you listening to me? For I am the way. You have to live in the spirit. You have to be filled with and under the control and under the power of this invisible being who moves on the inside of you, who speaks to the inside of you. Listen to me. Make all of the New Year's resolutions. Set all the goals you want to. Do everything you want to do. But have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Do you understand that he who is able to do beyond anything you've ever asked or imagined lives on the inside of you? That what is above and beyond is now within. And who is within is above and beyond. That we need to have our imaginations expanded because we're not here just as ourselves. We're here with him. We're living souls. That we need our souls restored from the rhetoric on the television. That there is a world, and the only thing that makes the world function is money. They want to target it and sell it to you, or they want to use you to make it. That the kingdom of darkness, the Babylonian empire of the book of Revelations is money. Money. 
It isn't. It isn't America or China or Russia. It's money. And they want to sell you whatever they make or they want to use you to make what they're selling to somebody else. It's all about money. And it is darkness. And it'll strangle you and it'll reduce you to a human resource that's dysfunctional or functional. God shows up and says, there's a kingdom of my son who is a kingdom of love who sees everybody through the eyes of that mercy. You hear me. You hear me, Western thinkers. You got to get out of that world. We're not of that world, Bruce. You can't serve both God or money. You're going to have to make a decision. Notice how quiet it gets here. I believe 2019 is going to be above and beyond. I believe the next season of our life is going to be bigger and better than there ever has. But I got news for you. You cannot allow the things of this world to get on you and change your imagination. You have got to step over here into the spirit of the living God where it's beyond anything you've ever imagined. God loves all people. All people. All people. All nations, tongues, and tribes will come to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, we got to throw off some of those things. We got to engage in this presence of the Holy Spirit. I believe this little church in Hutchinson, Kansas, could engage in such a prayer army that we could alter the course of the world. If 120 people could change the course of the world for history. I wonder what this little group of people could do if we would step out of that mm, and be filled with the fullness of God and let our minds be sanctified, stand in the same. Do you understand? He goes to prepare. Do you know you're that place? Your heart. Your heart. Your heart. The place he went to prepare is you. He went to prepare you. He went up there and offered the sacrifice of blood. David offered the sacrifice of blood. Jesus came back, picked you up. David picked, do you understand the way is through the sacrifice of Christ? And, and, and Jesus didn't pick us up and take us there. He picked up what was there and brought it here. You're his Jerusalem. You're his city. You're his temple. You're his home. You're his abode. You are. Oh, you're not kidding this. It's not about where we're going. It's where he's come. He's coming to us. And not just us as me, but us as we. That when we gather together in this thing called the church, when we gather together in the name of that one that's powerful and holy and when we get together, when we forgive and love, nurture, care, do things, sit at table, this, that, everybody, listen, I am 60 years old. I can't take for 43, two, why a long time? You need a personal relationship with Jesus. Right? How many have been told you need a personal relationship with Jesus? I was told that by the most impersonal people I'd ever met. Listen, you can't have a personal relationship with Jesus without having a personal relationship with Jesus' people. 
Because your personal relationship with Jesus is to be connected to me and to him and to him. And dare I say it, to Anglicans and Pentecostals and Catholics. Oh, my God. And Hondurans and Syrians and Iranians. Black and white and green. Oh, my God. Republicans and Democrats and, and every other kind of rat. I mean... Oh, my God, the Bible may be true. Am I making sense? This is the way to walk in it. Nicodemus, Sammy, guy in a tree, lady in the dust. I'm hospitable, I'm acceptable, I'm approachable. And the same spirit that lives in me now lives in you. You're my home. Man, church, I haven't got time to enter into the debates that are going on in the world because I've only got one thing in my mind. Are the doors open? Is everybody welcome? I mean, you know, I went over at church once and all them kids were walking around in front of him. Yeah, they do. But he said, forbid not the little children. So, yeah, our liturgy gets destroyed by four-year-olds. <sighs> supposed to be teaching you something. Say this way. This, this way. In the spirit. In, in the presence. Led by. Passionate for in love with. That's the way. And if you walk that way, you'll know the truth. And if you know the truth, it'll set you free. Can I tell you something I realized this week? Everybody wants to know the truth, but nobody's willing to trust. And until, until trust is repaired, and the only way for trust to be repaired is for there be Transparency. Are you listening? Everybody wants the truth no one will trust. And the only way I can trust is if you're transparent. But when I want the truth enough to trust you, because we live in transparency with one another, we'll be transformed. And when we're transformed, we will reveal the truth as the people of God. Please hear me. Get out of this world. You're not a citizen of it. You're a Christian. You believe in Jesus. You're filled with his spirit. Stay out of this. The only way we can go into the above and beyond is to step in this kingdom of God. This is the place. This is the place. This is the place. I think the Father's house is the place. I think this little room could be that place of grace and mercy. Prayer. I don't know whether I did anything good this morning, but I'm trying to get you hungry. I want something above and beyond anything that's ever hit America. I want something above and beyond anything that's ever hit this world. 
I'm believing for an authentic expression of the kingdom of God to be so real and so raw that it causes every division to fall and all the things of God to come together as one. I believe that when that happens, the prayer of Jesus will be made manifest and the world will know that Jesus is Lord. That's the only goal, the only purpose, the only stated value. And I'm for one, let's start here. Happy New Year. While you're making all of your New Year's resolutions and setting your, all your goals, your pastor is praying that God would restore your soul. I'm praying that your soul will be healed, that your soul will be purified, that your imagination will become so sanctified that all you can dream is about his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I thank you this morning for anybody willing to listen to this little pastor from the prairie of Kansas. I pray this morning that some of my words might be able to be seeds that would be sown to accomplish your will. Lord, if I've said anything that's been confusing or otherwise uh, debilitating, I just pray that they just throw it out and chew it up and spit it out. But Lord, if there's anything good in it, Lord, let it produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Lord, I pray that our doors would be open wide to whosoever would. I pray that every person that comes would be transformed and their soul would be restored. I pray, Father, for the best season we've ever had to be made manifest. I pray to the north, the south. Now you just got to tolerate me because I'm praying. I pray to the north, the south, the east, and the west. I speak to the enemy that would hold anybody in bondage. And I tell you, you let go, you give up. You spirit of addiction, you spirit of fight, I command you stop. You spirit of disease, according to Isaiah, I tell you to let go. I speak to the north, the south, the east, and the west. I pray that the winds of the Spirit would blow people home. That our sons and daughters would come from great distance in order to be restored to the family of God. I thank you, Father, that I see them coming. Hallelujah. Father, may we make room. May we make room for other souls and other people. May we embrace them and put another ring on their hand and a robe on their shoulders. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Father's House. We hope you stay connected by following us online at fathershouse.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at TFH Hutch.